This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest, the podcast which brings you reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema and instead went straight to DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming media. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me this week are Richard Hawes. Hello, everybody. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello, everyone. And we have got a bumper show for you this week. We've got six films in review. We're going to kick off with the... uh, Red Dot, which has just turned up on um, Netflix. Uh, then we're going to go to Gate Crash. After that, it's The Owners and Broil. What Lies Below, and we're going to end our reviews with Arch Enemy. Then it's time for our short shot, which this week is a Star Trek fan film called Squadron from the Czech Republic. And our DTV throwback is Steel. So without further ado, let's crack on. So our first review is Red Dot. When uh, David and Nadja, who've hit a rough spot in their marriage, uh, they decide to rekindle their love for each other with a a long weekend hiking in a remote valley. However, on their first night, they not only encounter some racists, but they are terrorised by someone with a sniper rifle aiming its laser sight directly at them. Dun, dun, dun. This, um, this this is a film which takes a long time to get going. Um, I think it's almost about thirty minutes in, into a ninety-minute film before the actual threat materialises. Um, well, that's usually the case with most films. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's okay. usually the thirty-minute rule. Basically, the, the the main thrust of of the story will kick in at the thirty-minute point. I you... guess. Yeah, but it, it felt. It felt. I, I think with this mm. particular film, it did sort of uh, feel quite prominent. You know, you, you kind of noticed it a bit more. Um, well, they've got a bit. Of, they've got a bit of in the media res to just warm you up a little bit. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, <laughs> my, as everyone knows, it's my favourite uh, cinematic trope where they start at the end and then work backwards. Thank you very much. And and yes, and it, we we know why it's there. It's because there's this thirty minute lull as we sort of learn about these characters, how they, um, you know, how he proposed to her and things like that. And you know, th- then we sort of jump forward a year and a half. And things aren't as rosy as they were back then. And there's a tiny, the tiniest of hint as to why that is. Um, you know, the, the, the flashbacks are so obtuse, but you, you just you just know that they have some sort of relevance. You know, even though they're not showing you anything, they're keeping the their um, they're keeping their cards very close to their chest. But having said all that, when once it actually does get going, I thought this was rather good. It's, it's a good sort of uh, survival horror kind of situation um, with, with very few characters, as you'd expect. And um, guys, I, I couldn't help but notice a, um, a certain similarity in, in one of the themes to uh, Wrong Turn that we covered in the last episode. Well, I couldn't help but notice yep. similarity to in in every respect to Let It Snow, which we covered a few weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> this was basically exactly. exactly the same film. It's a very similar idea, yeah. yeah. Hmm. In a lot, of, I mean, yeah. in a lot of respects. Yeah. Although I thought this was a, this was this got everything right that the other one got wrong. I felt. 
yeah you know we had a lot of complaints about let it snow like oh it's a bit repetitive you know they keep yeah, it's mm. a bit unrealistic they keep you know catching the person letting them go and you know everything was a big everything was a bit absurd i think this one managed it a lot better yes it certainly did and and um you really felt for their sort of situation as well for a long part. But what, what are the, one of the good things about the film is it really does play with your sort of um, your loyalties as well. You know who, who you're actually mm. sort of sympathising with um, throughout the film. And yeah, there, there is that sort of like um, you know as we saw in, in Wrong Turn that you know that that sort of um, narrow-minded thinking that basically screws everything up. <laughs> If they weren't guilty about one thing, they're yeah. certainly guilty about yeah. something else. <laughs> but yeah, the other thing it reminded me of was yeah, it's got it, that it, it's got that really familiar um, cliche of uh, you know crossing paths with you know a uh, a confrontation or or, or a, a sort of a, a kind of a confrontation crossing paths at a petrol station. I yeah. mean, we, we saw it recently at the, in uh, Tailgate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. That that kind of that, that's always the place that people meet on the road. I mean, there's diners and stuff as yeah. well, which they also do. But yeah, um, yeah I thought it's quite funny that it, it it was touching on those very familiar. I mean, there was a Christopher Lambert film called Road Flower a long time ago. I think that mm. did the same thing. And, yeah. and then then there's stuff like Breakdown and whatnot. But there's um, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a yeah, Norwegian one. Norwegian one I remember yeah. seeing called Rolf Deer, which was really good as well. That had the same sort of thing going on, you know. Uh, even Tucker and Dale versus Evil, you know that they, they, they send that whole Again. thing up, don't they? You know, they're, they're pretty, you know the whole situation. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, this, this was you know quite enjoyable. It, it, I was, I was glad it wasn't just, you know, the, this couple being chased by a red dot for the whole film. I mean, you know, that was the jumping off point, and then it sort of opens up a bit and puts them in other sort of um, perilous situations, uh, which I thought was sort of pretty well done and, and I must admit I did like the um, you know how, how everything came together at the end Rich mm. what are your thoughts on this? I mean I think <laughs> Go on Steve You might as well jump in Steve I thought you said Rich then sorry Yeah I did but yeah. you jump in anyway. oh, Sorry I thought you said Rich um, No problems uh, Yeah it was okay I mean like you were saying there's, there's that one point where it switches and it you find out what exactly what's going on and it really does test your loyalties about it. Mm. And I did like that that kind of switch switcheroo that it does, you know. Um but like I say it was familiar to let it snow, but I just think this had more urgency, mm. um, more tension, more build up. And it, it paid off more. Um, Late it's not, I just thought it was too bland. And like you say, it was like, yeah. well, we'll chase for a little bit, then leave you for an half an hour. This was more more focused, more intense. Mm. And also, like you say, you know, you've got a few red errands in there as well. Which I thought were very well played, really. Getting this type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the ending is quite, quite a different ending. Not what I, I expect from that film at all, really. Yeah. Um, obviously, that 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 halfway point where you get that little twist and you know you know something's coming. Yeah, because um, because of those stupid flashbacks, you, what you think? Oh, I wonder why they're flashing yeah. back to that moment. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 
gives you a little teaser and then it'll show you the whole thing play out. Mm. And that's what really got me about it. The actual moral ambiguity that you've got in there. Yeah, absolutely. Really enjoyed it with that one. Yeah. The um and and sort of how the other guy found out about it as well that that was quite devastating mm. you know as yeah so well, that that whole thing and and yeah <laughs> <laughs> Rich any, well, any thoughts uh, from you without, mm. without wishing to give it away or anything but you know drones as a plot device I know that's another one of your favourite exactly but yeah I'll I'll give it this one yeah <laughs> because yeah, yeah. because, because it, the thing is. It wasn't sort of trying to make it look cool, you know. It's like, it's like I think there was one Steven Seagal movie. It was like, "Hey, look at us! We got a drone! <laughs> How yeah, cool is that?" And it's got a machine gun. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's, but it, I hate all that bullshit. But um, yeah, this was um, more appropriate, I think. Yeah, I like. I liked it a lot. I mean, I was I was very impressed by it. Really, I mean, it's the the. Uh, it's Sweden and the the snowy landscapes or whatever, obviously looking look incredible. Uh, mm. Say so that it puts it very in a makes it even you know the the setting as well as the themes and everything make it very close to Let It Snow. But I thought this did it a lot mm. better. I thought there was not a nice uh, a lot of nice scenes where they were contrasting moments of joy with despair. Yeah, you know they would show something really happy, yeah. and then there were lots of sudden like jump cuts and things where they would like suddenly mo- you know you switch to you know like at the start of the film or oh, they've just got engaged hooray it's all really happy and then yeah. the next moment he's like playing on his playstation whatever yeah, yeah, clearly yeah. not getting on and he's shouting at him and stuff yeah and him, uh, him, him yeah saying... and then they, sort of, they continue that throughout <laughs> the well at least the first part of the film yeah him sitting there just mm. just playing on his on his on his xbox or playstation or whatever but yeah that that gave me a bit pause <laughs> maybe push the, the, the <laughs> maybe maybe put the xbox controller out of sight for a second <laughs> But yeah, you know, in case again, I thought, nice... <laughs> I thought there was some nice little um, callbacks as well. You know, they mentioned the thing, they mentioned things like the video game and stuff at the mm. start, which then become relevant later. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like he's talking about yeah. the guns. He's like, oh, yeah. that's like a gun that's in the game that I play. You know, so if if it is the same, then we've got about ten seconds because yeah, they've got to reload yeah. and stuff like that. So that. that they they sort of cleverly peppered things out, but I did really love the third act revelations and the way it twists it and stuff and uh, the way everyone played it as well because yeah. you kind of you meet various characters and some of them are some of them you're not sure about some of them are you know yeah. red herrings and whatever and it, it really plays with your expectations and as you say switches your um, you know challenges your sympathies let's say yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't really want to say anything more than that because it's really, really good. It's well worth yeah, seeing. Absolutely, and and it's on Netflix at the moment, so it's uh, it's there to watch basically. If you're an, if you're a subscriber, how are we going to score it, uh, Rich? Over to you first. Uh, I'm gonna before I give my score, I just want to say one thing. It's the first film I've watched that I've noticed because it's a 2021 release. First film mm. I've noticed where in the credits it says COVID compliance officers and supervisors. That's interesting. It's quite interesting. Yeah. I thought. Uh, uh, so on that note, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't argue with that. Yeah, so I'm going to give you an eight as well. And Steve? Yep, I'll go with an eight as well. Cool. Eight as well. Three eights for Red Dot. Catch it while you can while it's on Netflix.
Our next review is Gatecrash. Uh, Nicole and Steve returned from a night out shaken as they hit a man and took the decision not to stop to see if the poor guy was still alive. However, while they decide whether to inform the police, that evening takes an even more macabre turn. Um, okay, this first thing I want to say, Rich, is I am so dead envious of their house. <laughs> their bloody house. It's this huge bungalow sort of farm building or something, and it is just like... You know, it, it's it's minimalist furniture and all the rest of it, but it looks absolutely gorgeous. And, and the yeah. opening is, is this woman, you know, Nicole, when she gets home and she's walking through the house and the camera's sort of tracking her and it's like corridor after corridor, then it opens up into this big sort of like, um, you know, sort of family room. Oh, I was, I was dead jealous and big paintings on the walls and everything. Anyway, that's beside the point because what we got here is a very well uh, produced... Uh, film which for the f- first half I think is very tightly written um, re- really interesting and then it kind of loses a bit in the second half for me so we've got this couple Nicole and, and uh, Steve Steve has got a complete arsehole uh, you know he abuses his wife he, he beats her to you know to keep her compliant and things like this this incident's happened and it's sort of put them both on edge and then weird stuff starts happening um, it's, it turns out Steve's lost his phone. Somebody's found his phone and is ringing in the house. Who could it be? And then a policeman turns up, or does he? And it gets strange like that, basically. So, uh, Rich, what did you make of Gate Crash? I, I loved it. I, th- I thought it was really good. I'd like to say, we, you highlighted the, the house there. Well, the, the thing about the house is that it's it's kind of representative of their relationship because you know it's it's you know they're beautiful people in this relate everything they seem to have everything going for them but but the the house is empty, beautifully right? decorated yeah. but it's yeah. very sparse and very empty yeah. and very cold yeah you know there's there's no there's no real war there's no warmth it's in the house it's all monochrome and it? all the furniture's either yeah exactly white or, you know, yeah so there's no warmth in the house there's no warmth in their relationship it, it's 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 not a comfortable place. Beautiful to look at, but it's not a comfortable environment to be in. You know, there's, they don't have any music or anything playing. I mean, not that. Not even a TV. Particular, but yeah, didn't even have a TV. But I think that's all designed to hmm. keep you, you know, on edge. Uh, it's it was no surprise when it when it got to the end, and I was when you know I'm watching the credits. It was, it was no surprise to realize that it's based on a play. Because mm. it, it felt very much like a play while I was watching it. Yeah. Um, the film it brought to mind uh, was, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Sleuth with yeah. um, Jude Law and uh, Michael Caine. Oh, uh, or is it, which or is I didn't it, get on. Yeah. That was a pin to play. Well, I didn't get. I didn't get on with that film. Original, at all. which was Michael Caine. And, yeah, I've uh, seen the original. Uh, Lawrence yeah. Olivier. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So this was the Kenneth yeah. Branagh one from 2007. Yeah. I went to see at the cinema, but the right. but this was um yeah. I mean, it's a very small cast. Um, it's all taking place in like a couple of rooms, and that they've mixed it up a little bit because obviously it's a, a feature film. So they've mm. they you know you go outside and stuff like that. Um, but the yeah the the acting was really good. The characters. Re- I mean, uh, Samuel West turns up. 
as uh, ostensibly representing himself to be a police officer. Mm. Uh, but there's just something not right about him. But I've, I always like seeing him turn up in stuff. Yeah. He, he usually does period dramas and things like uh, Mr. Selfridge, Downton, you know, Downton Abbey yeah. kind of stuff. Been in that, but well, it was um, freaky, wasn't here it? he's it's playing freaky, completely yeah. against type. Sorry, I mean it's free. It's freaky when he, you know, he comes in and then she she loses track of him in the house and he just like disappears. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. really freaky. Yeah, it's good. Well, there's the whole the whole thing about the film is is there something supernatural going on? Because if mm. it it to it slightly to its detriment, I think it plays it very straight, but stuff just doesn't add up, yeah. and the only way it can is if it's supernatural, as far as I'm concerned, because it just doesn't... Uh, the pieces of the puzzle don't fit together quite right. I think I think you're right as far as Simon West's character is concerned. Um, he, he could be the, the sort of supernatural element to it because, because of the way he, he he's sort of a, um, the catalyst to a lot of what actually happens. Well, he, you know, you know he, he, he stirs shit up, basically. And then just you know vanishes for for the rest of the film. It's very bizarre. But then there's that the the other thing. There's the quote. You know, the, he he says this long quote, which then the the other guy, the victim, who comes mm. back to say, "Oh, I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you helped me out and whatnot." Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it all goes a bit pear shaped. Um, played by the other the fourth person in the cast because I don't think there's anybody else. Uh, Anton Lesser. Mm. who is another recognisable character actor, but I couldn't say anything, you know, particular that I've seen him in. Uh, apparently he played a character called Kyburn on Game of Thrones, but uh, 22 episodes and various other things he's mm. done. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's he, he, he says this exact same yeah. thing. That, that I mean, you could, the, the other guy could have said it and he could have memorised it potentially, mm. but I don't think so. I think there's, there's, there's a hint, that's a hint, there's like a heavy hint there of something... Quite, not quite right going on. It's, it's interesting when you see somebody's credits uh, include Game of Thrones, because you know Game of Thrones had a cast of thousands, basically, and the world and his wife could could could, could claim to have been in Game of Thrones. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, there's, there's so, so many. It, so I don't know. You haven't seen the importance that? of what? Yeah. <laughs> nah. Oh dear. Anyway, um, yeah, this is solid stuff, really. As I said, you know, you got the feeling you're watching a sort of cinematic play, for sure. Uh, you know, just from the writing, the quality of the writing. Um, I just love when Simon West is sort of going, "Yeah, I'll just skate crash that party." I was just watching people, and then I was watching you, yeah, <laughs> and see what happened. Uh, yeah. And then I followed you, or uh, you know, and okay, so he turns, so he's turning up then in a police car and everything. Know, so where, where, where did he get the police car where did that you come know? from yeah and the uniform and everything so yeah it's uh because he he goes from that early scene where he's dressed up as a policeman yeah to that other, like, other scene a few minutes later when it looks like john mcclain at the end he's of dressed um, completely different yeah yeah so it's i i think it's well worth seeing uh, the 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 play that it was based on was called life's a gate crash by Terry Hughes. I haven't found details of anything more that Terry Hughes has done, but I thought I thought it was it was really uh, I I was very impressed with the characterization yeah. of the characters. I mean you the the um Steve guy's just nasty. He's just a nasty mm. piece of work. Absolutely. And um and she's uh the actress who uh, Olivia Bonamy, who's a French actress mm. uh, playing his wife. You know, she's clearly she 
she's clearly uh like um fearful you know like yeah. you know she's there's domestic abuse you know heavily well it's not even hinted at i mean she suffers some domestic abuse at the start of the film um when they have a confrontation she's, she's stuck but, in the, uh, yeah she's stuck at the abusive end of the, of the, of the relationship you know and it, even to the point where you know she's agreeing with him when he says this is all your fault look what you made me do you know sort of thing mm. you know so it's that sort of really abusive sort of manipulative uh sort of situation what i liked about it was that contrast between this uh, although she's the she is in many cases the victim in the relationship mm. she's actually the much stronger person i mean when when somebody knocks on the door mm. uh, her husband vanishes oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she just and she you know goes and answers and has the conversation and you know she's mm. she's confronted she's stepping up to it you know yeah, she's, she's facing it whereas com- he, he's composed, just, yeah. yeah he's just hiding away and you know will only come out if he if he needs to or whatever or gets found you know yeah Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, i thought and and the way it played out was was really good a bit over the top say in in certain respects yeah say i don't think some of the stuff adds up but uh, apart from that i'd say highly recommended well worth well worth absolutely uh, yeah so we're gonna score this one rich I'm going to give that another eight out of ten. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to go seven. Um, I, I really did thoroughly enjoy this, but as I said, I thought some of the dialogue towards the in the second half of the film, which is sort of set about a year after what happens at the beginning, um, mm-hmm. I, I just thought it laboured the point a, a bit too much. Um, you know, the sort of it, dialogue was going round in circles a bit. It does. It does a bit. Yeah, quite actually, quite a bit. You know, there, there is a sense of padding it out. I think you could have easily shaved ten minutes off the running time. Yeah, but other than this, other than that, this is uh, this is yeah, great stuff. The the, the dialogue's great, you know, the acting's great, um, the story's very intriguing. So yeah, a seven and an eight. Uh, this is available on VOD. Check it out. Our next review is the owners. Uh, when Nathan, Terry, and Baz target a seemingly rich elderly couple for an easy score, Maisie's girlfriend, sorry, Nathan's girlfriend, Mary, finds <laughs> herself dragged into what turns out to be a complete nightmare for all concerned. Um, I think this is um, most notable for me uh, that it stars uh, Sylvester McCoy. Yes, me too. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's very nice that... Um, also face from Game of Thrones is in there as well. Was it Maisie Williams? Maisie Williams, yep. Yep, thought so. Yeah. Um, and she's very good in this. But, you know, uh, what a return to form for uh, Sylvester McCoy as um, the sort of the doctor in, funny enough, yeah, a doctor in this one as well. Um, and I thought the, the opening of this was fucking brilliant. Uh, seeing these three wastrels getting high in their shitty car. Um, waiting for these people to go out of the house so they can rob it. And just this, <laughs> the conversation they're having just, just cracked me up. It really did. Um, I, thought, I thought it was an absolutely superb start to this. And yeah, the, the whole film, I, I just thought was really interesting. Um, Steve, what do you make of The Owners? <clears throat> yeah, I enjoyed it, actually. It was quite a decent little horror flick. It was nice as well, as Sylvester McCoy, uh, seeing Andrew Ellis in there as well. Who plays uh, Gadget in This Is England? Oh, yeah. For a while. Yeah. Uh, absolutely love him in This Is England. I think he's absolutely great in that. Yeah, he plays um, Baz in this one, I think. More violent um, than the three. No, 
No, is that Nathan? Oh, no, no, Terry. Oh, Terry, the, the big guy. Terry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I thought, thought he was absolutely great in it. Um, but yeah, again, it's it's one of them, <clears throat> not a twist and turn, but you kind of know that they're going to be... Um, because they're all they're all they're all like stone louts off their head, and you know it's going to twist, and they're going to become. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're going to fuck it up, and it's going to go wrong. He's a doctor. The wife's slightly demented. Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's like Alzheimer's in Alzheimer's, there or something yeah. like that. So, yeah. Then you've got the running, the running thing with the like daughter. Mm. Who's we think's gone missing or something's happened to earlier on in her life, and, and yeah, it, nice, nicely played out, well shot. I thought the script was really good as well. Um, yeah, it's just an enjoyable film. Mm. Uh, Rich, yeah, we've seen this this set up quite a lot of times. The whole you know home invaders yeah. get more than they bargain for kind of thing. Whether that's uh, people under the stairs yeah, don't uh, breathe don't, don't breathe, breathe recently yeah. Yeah. and uh, uh, more more recently more recently there was a film called Villains mm. which is is essentially the same as this in in a in a couple of respects and uh, but it makes a good double bill it's different enough it's also yeah. worth seeing that that's, and, that's, uh, that's an that's American all. film isn't it as well that's an American film yeah, yeah with yeah. Um, Bill Skarsgård is that's in right. that one mm. yeah. and Jeffrey Donovan and Kira Sedgwick, actually, but the um, that's uh, by the by. I think even what was it? Uh, we summon the darkness is also a kind of yeah, tre- yeah treads exactly. on similar yeah, theme because it's the whole or even you know like, the people. What, what's the, what's the uh, Hunter's Moon as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's, yeah. there's all these films where you know they they set up certain characters. They're not, and then other certain things happen. There's twists and whatnot. Uh, I thought this pl- was really very handsomely shot. Uh, looked really good. The um, the locations, you know, the hat is, it takes place pretty much almost entirely in, in the rooms of the house, including the basement mm-hmm. stuff. The production design was really good on uh, Jake Curran as uh, Gaz, I think it was, who's mm-hmm. like the main, yeah, the main sort of instigator of you know most of the bad stuff that happens in the first act. Is uh, he he sort of steals the show with his you know dominance of mm. of because he's he's supposed to be along for the ride but he's mm. he's, he's just being like the uh, mr blonde of the group mm. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. he's taking things to the extreme and you know he'd be the he'd be the guy to like just start cutting ears off you know mm. he's, he's he's nasty yeah he's well. a right he's a right slimy bastard isn't he yeah, yeah. interestingly I, I i was just looking at his um filmography and he's been around since 1995 as, a, as like a, a you know child actor i think basically uh and he's but he's done things like wrong turn three all right and uh, and various you know tv uh, oh and dragon heart three as well so he's done two dtv sequels cool. but uh, as well as as well as maze run of the death cure he was in mm. recently as well um but yeah he was really good but all these characters him and the others all scumbags so <laughs> so this is this is again sort of plays into that bigger genre of bad bad uh work, bad things happening to bad people yeah so they they get more than they bargain for and uh and yeah i think it's um it's a very nicely very nicely put together for mm. there's a there's a funny bit earlier on when um 
uh, Nathan is sort of explaining. He's trying to justify what he's doing, basically, and sort of saying about how his mum never had two pennies to rub together mm. with his dad. Was like, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, I don't that for my family and all the rest of it. And sort of guys is there going, yeah, man, yeah, you know, you, you're doing it. You're, you're taking it back for, you, for yourself, for your family and shit. I'm like, get a job, you fucks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. Mm. It's quite amusing. But yeah, this 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 is really interesting. You know, the um, the way um, the sort of power shift keeps moving around. You know, who's who's got the upper hand, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's really really interesting all the way through. And, and then um, there's, there's hints as well mm. throughout the movie of where it's going to go, and then yeah. like the climax is mm. kind of a nice culmination of of all that. So I thought I, I did like the ending as well. It's it's interesting, you know. It, it's yeah. one of those things again. Um, it's it's to do with people's perception of what's happening, and and up to a point, you could easily argue that uh, Mary uh, Maisie Williams' character is sort of overreacting to the situation and 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 sort of reading into things which aren't there. You know, because um, because there's various things going on. There's lots of reassurances as to what's happening, and she's not having any of it. And you're thinking, okay, but are you sure? You know, are you sure you're reading this correctly? Um, but then it gets to a point when when they're in the um, the girl's bedroom, and all of a sudden the shutters come down, and and so you know gas grenades mm. come through the door, and it's like. Okay, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think we know. We all know where we stand. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, this this is really good. Uh, I really did enjoy this. Um, yeah, very very interesting characters. Uh, and as, as we've said, you know, Sylvester McCoy, uh, uh, he, you know, he he became Doctor Who at probably one of the worst times when the money wasn't really there and you know the scripts weren't really there, unfortunately. Um, he you know, he was the last one for his 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 Doctor Who basically killed it off. Yeah, not it wasn't his fault, but it, no, it basically yeah, Colin died Baker, basically. about five years. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like Colin Baker. Yeah, well. he, he did he did have one really good Dalek story actually. Um, Sylvester McCoy set during the fifties. I think it was Remembrance of the Daleks. I think. Yeah, that that was a really good. one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, Sylvester McCoy has never separated himself from Doctor Who, even since then. I mean, all the fan stuff that kept going while the while it was off air, he, yeah. you know, unofficial stuff and everything. He was, you know, he was playing Doctor Who, but unofficially by a different name and stuff like that. He's yeah. always been linked to it, That's and I... and even did. There was like a BBC drama as well, where there was like a a very long epic Doctor Who story that they did, and they brought him back for that and stuff. Was, um... But he's he's got a wide body of work outside of. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who, which I think is really sure, interesting. Yeah, I'm sure he does, but yeah, no, nobody's seen it. <laughs> no. But a, friend, a friend of mine, um, a friend of mine's a, a, an editor, and he's worked on a lot of productions <clears> like that. And he, he did one with uh, Sylvester McCoy, and he, he's, he said he's got a habit of as soon as he's as soon as Sylvester McCoy thinks the, the scene's ended, he will suddenly whip round to camera and go, "How was that?" You know, even even if the director di- 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 actually <laughs> called cut, you know. He, he's, sort of, he's in his own head. He's like, "Cut!" He's like, how's, "How's that? Is that right?" It's like we haven't finished the scene. Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, consummate artist. But what I liked about this was it didn't. It played with your expectations of Sylvester mm. McCoy while while conforming. Mm. To- <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It no, was exactly what you'd expect from Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. 
so uh, yeah it's uh, very under underplayed i would say yeah um, and, and Maisie williams was very good on this as well as the uh, sort of put of on uh, mary um not exactly much smarter than her boyfriend but probably probably marginally so but yeah i think the only thing that with Maisie williams is their accent in it is quite posh hmm. and the rest of them are quite chavvy you know yeah. and it can't that kind of threw me not, a little not bit quite like, chavvy well, enough yeah but, yeah just slightly but but she's good in it yeah yeah it's definitely so scores on the doors rich well, before before we score it, there's just one other thing I wanted to bring up, right. which uh, was something you flagged up, which was the change in the aspect ratio. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So, what, really what, what, how were you feeling about when that happened, and what you know, what were you? I wasn't sure what. I, I mean, I, I raised the question because I wasn't sure what had happened. I don't know if it was the way you know. I was thinking maybe, maybe because uh, we we got given a screener by um, Signature Entertainment. Um, I wasn't sure if there was a cock up there, and I wasn't sure if there was a cock up with my my laptop. You know, which right, is so I clearly played. it wasn't it wasn't a stylistic choice that worked for you. Well, no, because <laughs> so, I, was, I was thinking there's a glitch here somewhere. So a glitch. I, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure what what actually happened. Um, you know, it took me a few yeah. moments to realise, and I sort of flicked back sort of five minutes. I thought, well, no, the aspect ratio was full widescreen back then, and then it does jump back to widescreen at the end, but for um, and, and I suppose it's from, I think it's from when one of the characters gets killed and, and the weird stuff starts happening that the, mm. the aspect ratio changed. I couldn't pinpoint when it actually happened. Oh, I'm just going back by memory. But yeah, it yeah. suddenly became really noticeable that all of a sudden you're just watching a box in the middle of the screen. Um, what's your theory? I think what they were trying to do yeah. is make it feel much more claustrophobic okay yeah I think they would yeah just trying to make it more claustrophobic is what I think they were yeah to, I mean I don't think it necessarily needed to happen like you know. no it was a very bizarre see I was wondering if it was something to do with there's a there's a, there's a TV scene a couple of times mm-hmm. where it doesn't work as a telly but they only watch videos on it I was wondering if it was something to tie in with that but it that didn't really make any sense. Do you know? Actually, do you know what crossed my mind was um, because the character, one of, one of the characters, gets injected with something, mm. uh, and, and mm. you know they're, they're losing sensation, their, their limbs and things. And I, I was wondering if it was something to do with that. You know, so like everything sort of closing in on them as a result. So you know. Mm-hmm. Uh... Possibly, I, I don't know. I really don't. Let's ask them. <laughs> no, yeah, that's what I mean. It doesn't tie in some i don't know it's just like a weird thing that they've done mm. yeah it's yeah. not like you know it's not like um uh tenet for example which constantly changes aspect ratio because some of it was shot in imax and yeah some of it wasn't yeah which drives me mad as well but um the this well t- transformers the last night was the worst one because i mm. thought it was a problem with the way it was showing on sky or something but uh, in terms of this with the box uh, I can relate a similar situation because there was uh, Kursk. Uh, I can't oh, remember yeah. what the full title, but the film Kursk um, came out last year. Yeah, I was on. Um, I've forgotten the name of the actor now. Guy from Colin uh, Firth. Kind of Colin Firth, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, I tried watching it on Netflix, and it's it's 
this little box, you know, the, the same as what we were watching in the owners. Mm. It's, a, it's a little box with the black bars at the top and the bottom of the screen. I was just like, why the hell? And it was driving me mad. I was checking my settings and everything. <laughs> and, then, and then I realized later that that's the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then it opens to widescreen. Mm. So it was, it, was a, it was a stylistic choice, but I was, I was thinking it was a technical problem. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, so that was um, that's the only sort of relatable thing I can say. But uh, yeah, I don't think they needed to do it, really. I think, you know, it's, it's a fun idea that they did, but, it, it, mm. you know, clearly, as we can tell from our conversation, is we didn't quite <laughs> yeah. get, we, get, you know, yeah, what, they were, what they were going through. Yeah. So this, this is directed uh, by a uh, French director, uh, Julius Berg. I believe he's French. Um, yeah, he is, in fact. Um, what's interesting about his um, uh, filmography is it just made me mm. realise that there's a, a French TV series of The Crimson Rivers. Yeah, there is. It's on. Um, you can watch it on all four under the uh, oh, Walter Presents. So I really want to see that because I love The Crimson Rivers, the yeah, first one. I, I like both, actually, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I think I thought the second one was a bit. Silly, not as but, good. Um, in fact, the, know, second, the second I mean, one. The funny thing about the first, the second one actually reminds me of Hot Fuzz. Well, Hot Fuzz has that same, has yeah. basically the same scene in it. The, it does, the yeah. sort of free running chase. The free running. I'm not sure if they it, it or what. Yeah. It's, it's so similar, yeah. so it's easily confused. Absolutely. <laughs> Except Christopher Lee was in one, and uh, Timothy Dalton was in the other. But... Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but the we, the we Crimson like Rivers is funny. <laughs> I'm digressing, but the Crimson Rivers is funny because in the making of documentary, Vincent Cassell is saying, going into detail of how the plot just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> He's just ripping it apart, saying it's nonsense, it's total nonsense. <laughs> um, which and it's right, it's right, it's true it when is. you think about it. it um, but anyway, uh, a very entertaining film. The owners, uh, on the other hand, uh, which uh, I'm going to score a seven out of ten, is very decent. Yeah, uh, Steve, you. Yeah, I'm going with seven. And I'm going to join you on a seven as well. So, yeah, three sevens for the owners. Check it out. Our next review is Broil. As Chance Sinclair begins to undergo some changes in her attitude, she starts to learn of the legacy of her extended family, especially that of her grandfather, August Sinclair, who rules the family with an iron fist. On the eve of what they refer to as the harvest, Chance's parents make a daring move to try and free themselves and Chance from August's grasp, bringing on board a very talented chef called Sydney. Um... Just straight off the bat, Rich, um, how relieved were you when you found out that Chance wasn't going to be the only main character? Uh, I, uh, I wouldn't say that I was feeling any particular sense of relief. I didn't. Uh, I, I, I wasn't bothered by. I, I, I didn't mind the. I, I mean, I, I, I didn't mind it too much um, at the beginning, but. Mm -hmm. she very quickly became a whiny brat and she was going to stay a whiny brat for the rest of the film um, <laughs> and it was very annoying That's fair. that was her job in the movie wasn't it it was basically her job in the movie yeah. um, but the stuff going on around her was much better, the stuff with her parents and her grandfather, that was really cool how did you I, I was a bit more set, uh, uh, a bit more uneasy with um, all the 
sort of terminology and ideas and things mm. they were throwing out like you it know does, it's time for the, it drops us in the deep end the and, and yeah it's and it doesn't sort of try you know there's no exposition at all um well hardly there's there are some very confusing scenes the opening scene you've got no idea what what that's relating to um and there's other scenes in the film there's a scene where she suddenly you see her gasp and run back into a room and lock the door and there's a woman sort of saying something to her on the other side saying like mm -hmm. please we want to help you or something and you've got no idea what the fuck that scene has to do with anything else that's going on in the film and it's never referred to again it's it, you know it's, it's full of little moments like that unfortunately but what did you think did you see the um when she gets called uh, um she has a confrontation at school mm. and she's basically called to the office yeah and she's sitting on the uh she's sitting on the chair or whatever waiting and the camera pans across to the uh i don't know if it's the teacher or the administrator mm. who's making the phone call and then so the cat the cat and then the camera pans back and if you have you you almost don't notice it but there's a cross on the wall mm. and it, it in between the time of the camera moving uh, moving away and coming back the cross is inverted mm, i hadn't noticed that actually but i had noticed some other inverted crosses throughout the film yeah i think it's like they, i think they would sort of throw it it was kind of like a a motif that they were adding in i think i noticed it on a, like a window or something that there was, there yeah. was a, a cross marking that times. but basically what this reminded me of initially was uh, vampires of new orleans because it was another you take family back. <laughs> doing a well there is it, it was a family in this yeah. town you know doing a harvest there's some sort of curse thing going on you're right they're, for me, they're, they're, was, they're vampires but they're right. not really vampires yeah <laughs> but for me this 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 almost gets it completely right um i i really enjoyed this a lot um a lot of that is down to jonathan lipnicki as um sydney um, yeah, I didn't even realize it was him until the cre end credits. I yeah. mean, I think I saw his. I think I heard that he was in it, but, yeah, but before I watched it, this I was the about little it. kid. This is the little kid from Jerry Maguire. You know, all yeah. grown up basically. If you want to feel old, you know, <laughs> this is this will help. Um, and he, he plays Sydney as I'm, I'm guessing, Rich. He, he's playing him as sort of a you know a highly functioning autistic. That's how I took it as well, because yeah. he, you know, he's. He's very, he's socially dysfunctional. He, he he's very particular about things. Yeah. He knows. There's that brilliant brilliant outburst in the kitchen when um when, when Chance picks up something off the off the um the kitchen table and starts to eat it, and he just explodes, yeah. going, "That's not food. That's part of the meal." And all this sort of stuff. I thought it was great. You know, it, it sort of really sort of showed his colours, as it were. Um, he's yeah, got, he's very cold, emotional. He's, he's also a he's kind of a. He's kind of an assassin as well as yeah, a chef. He's an expert in um, um, what's it, potions and herbs and things like that and poisons, um, which he uses uh, with with his boss to sort of get Lachlan rid of Monroe. Yeah, Lachlan Monroe, who's you know been in loads and loads of stuff. Loads you know, of loads a very stuff. very um, recognizable face, uh, Lachlan straight away. So yeah, um, some of the acting not brilliant. I mean, the guy playing August, his accent was all over the place. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell Scottish. whether he was supposed to be Irish. Yeah, Irish, Irish Scottish. Scottish. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. But um, but it, it, you know, you wanted someone like Tony Curran in that role, I think. You know, if you, if you want to sort of 
go with that sort of ancient sort of Scottish brogue kind of thing. I'd have thought mm-hmm. Tony Curran would be better, but but this guy was great. You know, he, he's one step ahead of everyone. He, you know, of course he knows these guys are going to try and poison him at this uh, this gathering. Um, it goes into some quite nasty places, which I quite liked. I must admit, you know, these these guys are sort of immoral vampires. Of course, they're going to do really horrible immoral stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I just I just really enjoyed it for the most part. Um, there's a few sort of narrative bumps, but overall, this this was kind of like, as he said, you know, uh, vampires in New Orleans, or even sort of like, you know, the families in Twilight, you know, the backstory of Twilight, that sort of thing. I thought mm-hmm. this this gets it more or less right. Thought it was very good. There's all this. There's kind of a going to, into a, a a time without time where. You know, somebody young is grown up, and you know, time doesn't matter. To so there's a there's a whole metaphysical yeah. mention that they include. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. I, I didn't click with it hugely, to be honest. Uh, mm. I thought it was quite interesting in places, but out of I think out of all the film, well, I'm not going to say out of all the films, mm-hmm. um, but this was one of the one of the ones I enjoyed least. Interestingly. Uh, I've just been looking up the filmography. So the director and writer Edward Drake, mm-hmm. he he has written uh, uh, Anti Life, mm. which we watched recently, and Cosmic Sin, two two um, Bruce Willis two Bruce sci-fi Willis, right. Just right. Yeah, yeah. action movies, mm. which is which is really weird because this is this this is completely different to <laughs> to those movies. So. Uh, you know, I haven't seen Cosmic Sin, but I expect it's more of the uh, more. I've of seen the trailer for it. I watched. I watched the trailer this week. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It sort of goes yeah. to the um, um, Edge of Tomorrow route with the sort of exoskeleton kind of, kind of things, which is kind of. Weird. Well, have you noticed? So, it's yeah. a bit of an off-topic thing, but the po- the cover design is basically the Edge of Tomorrow poster. <laughs> mm. It's so similar. But anyway, uh, yeah, so this is, uh, so he's he's done a few other things like short films and stuff, but this seems to be his first major one as as, as a writer-director. Um, and he's, I think he's Australian, uh, or he's studied, studied in Australia anyway. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, oh, he co-wrote it with someone called Piper Mars. Um, the, and this is, they, that that person's first film as well but uh yeah i'd say uh, i don't know it's it's got a lot there's a lot of stuff in this film and i'm not yeah. sure it all works you know it brings in so many you know they've they've clearly done a lot of research on various things and they're throwing in lots of ideas you you get it, it's very ambitious I'll, I'll give it that there's some some really good sort of dialogue scenes as well there's, there's a bit, whole bit where she's um argue uh, chances arguing with her mother Mm-hmm. And she, you know, because she, she's she's learned a few things. She's going, look, are we vampires or what? She's going, I'll tell you after dinner. You know, all this sort of stuff. What's going on? I'll tell you after dinner. Then her mum turns around and goes, tell me you love me. And she goes, I'll tell you after dinner, which, which I thought was quite good. <laughs> and there's another bit where um, somebody says to her, or, or says to uh, Sydney, I think, sort of some quote from Machiavelli, but but attributes it to August. You know, my grandfather always said this. You know, so sort of keep your enemies close, or keep your friends close, or something stupid like that. And he goes, "No, that was Machiavelli." He goes, "Yeah, but my dad said it first. <laughs> which I thought was quite good because he's been around forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I, I thought I thought some of the you know some really good dialogue in there, um, which is really cool. Um, yeah, you're right. There there are some issues as as, as I sort of mentioned as well. Um, not everything makes sense. 
but I liked a lot of it. Um, it might have even worked better as a series, you know, if it was sort of one, 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 a one season series or something. Might have worked, uh, given given the chance for the characters to sort of be more fleshed out, because we hardly get mm-hmm. to know the um, the other um, Sinclairs, uh, often the psycho one, but other than that. So yeah, I, I enjoy this. Oh, I, I love the um, you know the, the, how he figures out how to how to sort it out at the end as well. I thought his solution was um, quite inspired, you know, quite cold-hearted but inspired at the same time. So, how yeah. did you feel about the chapters? Uh, you, you know how I feel chapter. about that sort of thing. You know, um, it was it was it was playful. You know, it was, I, th- I thought at least they're having a bit of fun with it. It wasn't too po-faced. Um, you know, the, the first one was called The Girl Who Lived, which is obviously mm-hmm. a piss take out of um, Harry Potter um, straight away. So, so that was, you know, it, it was it was playful. So I think there's one that just says, I, I think so the last line of dialogue in one chapter was something like, I'll figure something out. And the, and the chapter just comes up saying he didn't. <laughs> which I thought, yeah, well, that wasn't that wasn't even a chapter. That was just like a, a little co- yeah. a comical intertitle, which was... <clears throat> quite weird because they don't do that in the rest of the movie at all. No. It's, it's uh, that was a bit random, but yeah, but I suppose I, that's I like the, that. that's yeah. the idea with the movie playing with your expectations. And, exactly. And so stuff. yeah, I, I, I really did enjoy this. I wasn't sure at first how it was going to go because I hadn't seen the trailer for it or anything. I didn't bother reading the synopsis. I just went into it, so I wasn't really sure how hmm. it was going to play out. But I was quite happy with it overall. So yeah. Yeah, t- taken on board, there are a few sort of issues with its narrative, narrative and that. I'm giving this a 7 out of 10. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, before I give my score, I'm just going to say that it has a distinctive score. The music in it is quite interesting. Yes, it um, is. Yes, I totally agree. The, uh, so I'm going to go... Well, not as a result of that, but my res- because I didn't connect with it hugely, I'm going to go 6 out of 10. Okay. One six one seven for Royal. Before I go, I just want to mention. So Edward Drake, who who directed it, uh, he was he directed Cosmic Sin as well, and his film after that is another Bruce Willis movie that he's written as well called America called American Siege. So clearly gets on well with Bruce Willis. (laughs) It goes through and in cycles of three, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, six and a seven for Broil. Check it out. Our next review is What Lies Below. When 16-year-old Libby returns home from summer camp, she is shocked to learn that her mother has a new boyfriend, an incredibly hot one at that. To make things even more awkward, though, Libby starts to notice that the boyfriend, John, has some strange habits. Um, again, didn't know anything about this film going into it, um, so I was, for the most part, ple- pleasantly surprised. It, it almost goes kind of icky in a couple of places because he's just like not sure what sort mm. of things going to happen between this sixteen-year-old girl and this thirty-year-old guy. Um, but it, it goes in a very interesting direction, I think. Um, Rich, over to you first. Uh, yeah, I was very. I didn't really know anything about it. I mean, the fact that I saw I saw Mina Suvari's in it, mm. so I was like, uh, okay, you know, we've seen a couple of, we've seen one or two films with her in, and I have I've been not not too impressed with what we've seen, mm. but this was, I mean, 
this was more uh, the uh, she plays the mother in in the in the film, and the the film mainly belongs to uh, an actress called uh, Emma uh, Emma Howarth or Ho- yeah. Emma Hovar, sorry, yeah. uh, as Liberty Wells, uh, the daughter. Is kind of the film is kind of a coming of age or you know awakening kind of story but very sort of different very twisted it's a it's 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 the film about it's one of those it's one of those films about the relation you've got the relationship between two people and a third person coming into it and disrupting it which we've seen various versions of you know it's quite often it's a a husband and a wife and then you know there's you know it's the dead calm thing isn't it of uh uh, Billy Zane, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, or whatever it is. In this case, it's the mum's got a new boyfriend, uh, and everything's very. Um, it's for it's 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 all, it's all for the most part. It's almost just like a straight drama, mm. you know. Like you think of some of the some of like the British films, like Fish Tank or whatever that have come out uh, that you know were about, you know uh, the. I think Fish Tank is the one I'm thinking of anyway, the, about, you know, the relationships between yeah. younger guys, old, old, older men and whatever, uh, younger girls, sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's all played really well. The, the film looks, it's, it's low budget, but it's restricted. So they only stay in a very, around the cabin area, which they live in this um, mm. national park in, uh, in New York state. And the, um, the whole thing is shot really nicely. Uh, the characters are interplays are uh, convincing. You know the, the performances are really good. The the guy who's playing uh, who was it was it John, John Trey Tucker, Troy um, uh, Iwata. Yeah. You know, sorry, his name Troy Troy Iwata. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, nice Tommy. Yeah. Uh, Trey Trey Tucker. <clears throat> Trey Tucker. Yeah. So he's kind of your. Uh, I don't know, you know, teen, teen movie kind of character, you know, sort of, you know, very handsome and, uh, you know, he, he's quite cut and that. But but they introduced him like Ursula Andress in Doctor No, yeah, <laughs> which I thought was quite yeah, funny. Yeah, coming, coming out of the water. But, well. he, but he's he's very charming. But you you're just a bit un, unsure about him, and then as you know, more things happen. Um, you know the, the thing you you start to feel a bit more unsettled without you know without giving too much of the game away but by the time you get to the third act things are going a bit crazy uh, and i'm not sure if i'm entirely on board with the final act but for the most part yeah i, th- I thought it was brilliant mm. uh steve what do you make of this um i kind of agree with rich um the first two acts thought were great the third act where it does go off the wall really, really annoyed me because it's one of them where <clears throat> nothing settled. It doesn't tell you what the crack was, mm. why, why it happens. And that last shot as well, the last scene, really, really just annoyed me because there was nothing in there. Yeah. It did nothing whatsoever. It does kind of, you know it does I mean? leave but, you with more questions than answers. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really need to do that. It, it, I don't know. It just seems to go completely overboard. Like I said, the first two acts, first hour, I thought it was great. The acting's, he's phenomenal. Um, 
the John yeah, guy playing right. John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's got you. Even even as a straight man, I'd have his kids. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> great to look at, yeah, but he's he got is. that. He's got that sliminess just underneath the surface as well. He's just trying too hard, isn't he? A little bit of creepiness. Yeah, you feel he's trying, the, trying too hard. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah and it, it does, it builds, builds gradually and gradually and gradually. And, you know, we've seen this type of thing before, but it, it, it's done really well. It, but it just leaves you with so many questions at the end. And that, that ruined it for me. Yeah, I understand, really did. Yeah, I understand how you feel about that final shot because it, it shows you something without showing you anything. And as you say, they're just like, well, what exactly yeah. are you showing me? But the scene before that, yeah. there's a scene earlier on uh, where she goes, to, she has to go to the pharmacist, Libby, for the, get stuff for her mum. And she spots this guy outside and she's sure it's John. She mm. thinks, oh my God, John, that's John with another woman. But then she realises that it... Yeah. Kind of, look, it looks like him, but it's not him, you know. And you think oh, that was a weird scene, and then you get a payoff at the end, which which mm. I quite liked. I did like that scene at the end, uh, well, you know, the penultimate scene, I should say. Yeah, but again, uh, even to me, that wasn't really paid off as well because it doesn't explain it. I know, but you can infer what you know, you know stuff from it. Yeah, it, it, you, you can, but it just to me, it was a bit like Willy's Wonderland. Mm-hmm. You know, I want like the Nicholas Cage character. I wanted a bit more backstory, so I knew what the crap was with him. With this one, you get little snippets because it just doesn't explain it to me, and it, it, it left too too open ended, too many unanswered mm-hmm. questions, which didn't didn't do it yeah. right for me. Yeah, it it. it um... Obviously, we don't want to spoil the ending, so but yeah, it, it just didn't add up mm. <laughs> what it was showing him. Um, but a lot of the other stuff works really well. As you say, um, there's that really creepy scene mm. in that dinghy uh, where it's like, Yeah, yeah, what? oh god, yeah, um, what's that about? Um, very weird. Um, I think yeah. that's the start uh, of the movie, it's in that drama, that sort of you know, that inappropriate relationship kind mm. of mm. you know what's what, well that yeah but that, that that dinghy scene is probably the biggest what the fuck moment i've seen for a long time mm. very strange yeah really i was like especially with yeah. the eels <laughs> you know the, the lampreys mm. whatever they were sort of in there as well just made it all very icky um but yeah this this is solid stuff all the way through for the most part until we get that end that you know people's mileage will vary there um, but I don't think there'll be too many complaints with the, you know, um, the mystery that's going on before that, you know, how things come together. Uh, thought, thought it was very enjoyable. Um, but yeah, a seven out of 10 for me. Uh, how about you, Steve? Uh, I'm going to go six. Okay. And Rich? I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go seven out of 10. But I'm also going to say, was there more to do with the cans in the, in buried in the garden than than I caught because it just sort of it seemed like a big thing that they were introduced but it, I never really understood what it was it was no uh, it was, it was the so. grandparents wasn't like they were putting just to yeah they were opening messages to yeah, their messages grandparents yeah, yeah. Or, or gifts or something to the grandparents mm. and then obviously yeah. her mum's like got her own sort of resentment in that area as well so yeah yeah because I thought that was a bit because 
Is that something people do? I mean, that's, that's just sort of seemed quite <laughs> odd I to me. That's what because I, yeah. I was starting. Yeah. I started out the story thinking, is there something supernatural with these ladies? You know, are they? You know, I don't know, like like a broil. Mm. Is there like a vampires kind of thing, and they're they, they're doing some sort of community you know, there, there, maybe there was something bigger going on yeah. with, with this act, but it seemed like, no, it was just a character thing, but it didn't really, wasn't really something I could, un, I, I connected with because it seemed like a time yeah. capsule yeah. thing that well, they I suppose, every year as a ritual. Yeah, so it's a weird sort of thing, but yeah. it's a family, family ritual, but let's leave it like that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So two sevens and a six for What Lies Below. Check it out. Our next review is Arch Enemy. A young man called Hamster is trying to pave a career as a gonzo-style journalist. He strikes gold when he befriends Max Fist, a drunken vagrant who claims to come from another dimension where he was a superhero. As Max divulges his stories to Hamster, he starts to become an underground media sensation. In the meantime, Hamster's sister, Indigo, is having problems getting out of the drugs business when she is sent to retrieve money and things go south. Um, okay, so at first, I really didn't know what to make of this, Rich. Um, it opens up with this sort of animated sequence to sort of show this battle between Max Fist and this lady called Cleo and how mm-hmm. he ended up going through this sort of dimension, um, you know, to, to be, end up on Earth, basically, or our, our version of Earth. Where he basically becomes a bum. Um, he basically, you know, tells stories from for drink, for whiskey, um, and yeah, it's it's such a weird film. The film that actually reminds me of a little bit is He Never Dies. I don't know if you've seen that one, the Henry Rollins. Oh yeah, one. the Henry Rollins yeah. one. Yeah, it's it's got a similar no, I've feel. I've watching that, that recently. Yeah, I, I would, especially and and its um, female counterpart as well. Um, so I wasn't sure where this was going, if it was just going to be like a straight drama, you know, with this guy who's sort of damaged and thinks he was a superhero, you know, befriended by this guy called mm-hmm. Hamster, who sort of, like, you know, wants to become a, um, a sort of on-the-street journalist kind of thing. And, and I just didn't know where it was going. And, and for the most part, it is like that. Until you get this brilliant scene with Indigo, uh, his sister, his, his much cooler sister, uh, it has to be said, Who's, who's sent by her boss to collect money from this this guy, and it, it, things get weird, um, it, brilliantly so. Basically, I, I thought that was an absolutely superb scene um, in that room, and and things start getting more and more out of control, and, and sort of Max becomes more and more sort of prominent. Um, yeah, I, I really really enjoyed this. How about you? Uh, I. I... I'm with you on the first bit, but not so much on the second bit. I, I, I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't really engage with it, to be honest. So it Aww. wasn't. So I felt like we've. It's it's really. And I think I I kind of maybe expected a bit more action, maybe to connect me with it. But also the the themes and that felt. You know, we've seen so much of this. This is, you know, uh, Hancock with Will yes, Smith seemed to basically be. Yeah. But seemed to basically be the same. Especially idea, what but there the was end. also, yeah. yeah. I think you, yeah. I think I because that was a very long time ago that film, but I think I remember, I remember enough of the relationship between a couple of the characters that, that mm. I kind of get what you're saying. The yeah, we've. I mean, 
superhero movie ver- you know variations and stuff as we're just drowning in them now there's just so many of them and I, I don't think this one brought enough that was unique to the table i mean there's a couple of interesting scenes which basically say okay what if what if what if superman was the punisher <laughs> and he and he was and he was on coke you know this kind of, kind of, or, or methamphetamine oh, no, 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 so come on get it, get it right rich yeah. <laughs> um but no the whole the there was a th- he's he's this homeless superhero or the, you know he's, oh, i'm not a superhero you know that's a, he's, they say he's not a superhero but there was a there was an mtv cartoon based on a comic book in the 90s called the max with two x's yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I don't know if you ever saw, but that was that was really weird and played with conventions. And uh, you know, he was homeless, but it was all you know, there's stuff going on in his mind, and you know, all the fantastic. And he and he made friends with someone, you know, a young person, you know. And is it all in his head, or is if is there actually a real threat? So this is doing a lot of the same things. It is. Uh, uh, I, I, I just thought it didn't really even when the action. There's some action that fits in. It doesn't. I don't know. I just felt disconnected from it. I was, I was really, I was really looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I, I really like this. Um, I'm not so keen on the, you know, the um, the animated bits. Um, I don't think they really sort of needed it that much. But um, there's, there's a brilliant bit because you know you got this guy Hamster. He's like been filming him and stuff, um, doing these sort of crazy shit, and. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's crazy shit, but at the same time, it, it's it's drunken hobo crazy shit. You know, um, not, nothing you wouldn't see out of a jack, jackass video. But Hamster sort of believes that he really is this sort of superhero guy, you know, and he's going to help save them and all the rest of it. And there comes a point where he's all geared up, and then he starts doing methamphetamine, and he just you see the look on Hamster's face, and it's like. Oh fuck! This is all in his head, isn't it? <laughs> He's just a fucking drug addict. He's just a fucking drug addict who sort of pulled us into this absolute nightmare, you know? Who who's got this sort of drug-addled sort of like vision of himself as a superhero from another dimension? Um, which I think got... would have been better if they'd have stuck oh, with that. No, no that, that would have been too crazy. I, I, I like the fact they sort of flicked, flicked it the other way because as soon as we're introduced to Cleo, who's now the boss of the boss of the boss. Um, and and she mentions a few things. And it's like either, either she's sharing his psychosis, or it's all true, and and she's too straight to be sharing his psychosis. So yeah, uh, I thought that was really cool. So yeah, no, I, I really really like this. Um, wasn't too keen on it. You know, the first 10, 15 minutes, it took me a while to sort of get into. But the scene in the that sort of scuzzy hotel room. With the guy in this under that was a good scene that was a really good scene <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was perfect timing you know i i just thought that the timing of it was, was really really good so yeah no i thoroughly enjoyed that um yeah so i'm giving this a seven out of ten uh i'm gonna give it a five out of ten pass uh, a final note for footnote <laughs> is that it's uh directed by adam egypt mortimer who previously mm. did daniel isn't real that's right. That is another good one. Uh, which, um, um, also, on. another one called um, "Some Kind of Hate." Some kind of hate, which yeah. is um, a really good film about bullying and uh, and that sort of thing, um, and sort of self abuse. Um, about this kid who gets sent to a um, one of these sort of like teenage correctional facilities, you know, it's a sort of summer camp kind of thing, because mm-hmm. uh, because he beat up some kid at school who was bullying him. 
and um, it turns out there's a ghost there of uh, some girl who committed suicide. Yeah, that, that was, right. yeah, that's quite good. Um, okay. So yeah, so, so I, I, I'm on board with this. So I thought, I thought the um, yeah, the the soundtrack as well. Um, some of it is a bit too sort of uh, thrash metally, but but it does have some really good sort of synth music in there as well. Yeah, synth soundtrack in there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, what you, you said a five? Did you? I did. A five. A very on the fence. Not not quite committed to really That's, think wow. yeah wasn't sure what to make of it five <laughs> all right okay so a five and a seven for um arch enemy check it out our short shot this week is squadron uh this is a star trek fan film from the czech republic uh during the dominion war Newly promoted Admiral Nansen is given command of a squadron of four Norway-class starships with the USS Minneapolis as his flagship. While he and the ship's captain, Victor DeSantis, find themselves clashing over how to command the Jem'Hadar launch an audacious attack. Um, as I mentioned, this is from the Czech Republic. The whole thing is in Czech, which is quite surprising. But at the same time, not that surprising, I guess, because, you know, I, I suppose it is quite easy to forget that uh, Star Trek is a worldwide phenomenon with, with fans all over the world. So why why not get films, you know, from places like the Czech Republic, Japan, even, you know, um, Spain, France, who knows? Um, and I think these guys do a fantastic job of um, setting up this idea, you know, um, setting it during the Dominion War, which was um, what sort of the latter half of um, Deep Space Nine was all about. And uh, I, I think this is superb. I, I really, really bought into the story. Uh, Steve, what do you make of this? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was more polished than what was the other one we watched. Oh yeah, the um, the, uh, the original contact or something. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, the first film that we watched. First Frontier. First, first Frontier. Frontier. That was one. That was <laughs> uh, a lot more polished than that, um, but equally, I thought the script was just as good as well. Um, performances were really good, especially like the um, the baddie, the lead baddie, mm. um, Jana. I think she was called whatever. Um, and I like the interplay between the Admiral and the Captain on the ship, you know, the falling out and over, over Blaney's orders and mm. that kind of thing. I thought that added quite a decent dramatic twist to it, to be fair. Um, but yeah, no, it was, oh no, I thought it was really good, really enjoyable. Yeah, it is very solid. And, uh, you know, I, I like one of the things they do, you know, because they come up with their own version of a starship, you know, the Norway class is a brand new. So, so you know, they got carte blanche yeah. how, how to sort of dress the sets, basically. It's, it's like, oh, that's not what the Constellation Star, star Trek looks like. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> I just told you. You know, yeah. um, but, but at the same time, the special effects are done really well. You know, they, they, they got some great modeling uh, for, for, the, for the ships. Uh, all the sort of transporter effects and everything are really good. I, I just thought it was really solidly, solidly produced. Yeah. Uh, Rich? Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, um, the, it looks better. The visual effects outside, the external, you know, spaceship battles and all that sort of stuff, does look better than the than the on-set stuff, but that's fair enough. But the, I mean, but the, yeah, the, I mean, those external shots, I mean, we've seen this in a lot of 
quite a few fan films you know the, the hot i mean even non-fan films like um uh like iron sky and things like that you know the, the level of quality to the to the computer generated you know spaceship effects and things that people can achieve in the last 15 years or whatever is 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 remarkable uh you know monsters and whatever took that to mm-hmm. a different level and uh yeah so th- all that stuff looks amazing but the stuff in the st- the stuff on set uh, even though you know the sets themselves did look you know didn't look amazing compared to you know the bigger budget counterparts obviously um what i loved was the, the attention that was made with the cinematography yeah there was there were a lot uh, there's a, there was a lot of thought to where the camera was placed, and I think even in uh, I, I don't think I'm reading and reading too much into it when I say in the op- in the first scene where the guy goes and he you know he gets um, made admiral. Uh, it starts out with pleasantries, and then the camera crosses the line, uh, and all of a, and then you're on the and then you're on another side, and it's purely purely uh, professional. You know the, the the pleasantries are out of the way, so it's like they've shifted the camera to the opposite side to to highlight the fact that okay w- things have changed now we're in a different situation we're talking this is purely business now and the camera stays on that side for the for the duration which I really like. There's some other scenes where uh, the camera is placed uh, lower and higher to make you know camera characters you know mm. uh, highlight their importance in a, in a particular moment or something so they, i thought that was all really well done and as you say i think the um the performance is really good I, I also enjoyed the the performance of the villain uh who i don't know what race her what alien race she was i, I think she was the same as one of the characters yeah. on so deep space the, nine the dominion are um yeah yeah they're, they're shapeshifters i think aren't they um, they, they work with the gem the gem hadara the, the guys the gray alien guys well, it might be the other way around. So, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so long since okay. I watched Deep Space Nine. Might be. I'll be honest. I'm. I used to watch Deep Space Nine a very long time ago. I'm not. A, I'm not a massive. I mean, I do like Star Trek, but I'm not mm. a massive fan. So therefore, I don't recognise all the bits and bobs. I did um, catch the reference to um, the guy who was the head of uh, the guy who was the head of um, Deep Space Nine. Mm, or at yeah. least he was oh, in Cisco. Yeah. Cisco, yeah. There was a reference to Cisco. Cisco, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, there was a couple of references I picked up on, but most of the time I was just watching it as a, you know, as a novice on the outsider, and I thought it was, you know, it definitely, it it it, it sits alongside some of the best uh, Trek fan films that I've seen, uh, including that. Um, what did I just say it was called? First, 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 frontier. first frontier, first frontier, and also there was one called Renegades. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really good. yeah, I remember that one as well. Yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, you know, I'm hoping they'll do another one and maybe sort of expand the crew a bit because obviously, you know, we think... don't know the engine room or the you know the the, the me- medical room or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. Well, I'm sure I saw something that said part one and part. Yeah, two. it was. It yeah. was originally released. Was two that... parts, and what they've done is they they right. then put them to put the put two together. together to make this one. Yeah, but they've 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 only they've only just been all all three all three versions have only very they came out very quickly. Mm. Like uh, I think uh, I think they were all released uh, in 2021. Mm. So the um, yeah, and they've also been supported by or they're uh, I don't know if you know of the Axanar team. Mm. They, they yes, tried, yeah. they're the ones who sort of got in trouble with 
paramount because they were basically getting too big they were yeah. getting too big with their budgets and and you know getting professional actors and stuff on board but they've promoted the uh, this uh, film squadron on their channel as well which is helping big bring it to a bigger audience so um so that's really yeah. good that it's you know being embraced by the wider community because i've never seen a star trek fan film or or a fan film for any franchise i can think that was not in the english language yeah. of the, the you know the, the the main franchise is known for so that was and that was quite interesting but the the one detriment of that was on when i was watching it the subtitles were very small yeah, and tiny. I, I had to i had to take my eyes to the bottom of the screen which then made me you know what miss and i'm experienced with reading yeah. subtitles you so. know what that that's because you were actually watching it without subtitles because that's that's the subtitles they put on themselves oh that's you, the burned you put, on yeah if you put on the closed capture subtitles which i found out afterwards They're as bigger. well yeah they are actually right. bigger so so you know ah. we'll, just, we'll just throw that out there in, ca in case you're struggling yeah press the cl oh, closed no, good caption tip. Button, button good tip and, mike uh, yeah I, I had the same issue, and it was it wasn't until I went back to sort of check a few names and stuff. I went, oh yeah, there's a CC button there. Check that. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, this is this is solid. Um, the, a couple of little things. Um, um, the admiral's um, solution to you know when they first get attacked, and he sort of like hits impulse full power um, to get close to the other ship, and that means that the um, the missiles, the, the torpedoes, weren't activated. Straight mm -hmm. out of uh, half yeah. a red October, apparently. <laughs> <That one. laughs> um, and there were some snide comments on, on, on YouTube sort of saying, oh, it looks like the Universal Translator was broken. I was like, piss off. Come on. Yeah, let, let other countries <laughs> do, you know, if other countries can do stuff as good as this, then, then I'm all for it. I don't mind reading the subtitles. As I said, I'd love to see a Japanese Star Trek. I'd love to see some, you know, something on this this quality. Done by some Japanese guys. I, I think that would be superb. Yeah, I, I really do. A Japanese, yeah. a Japanese crewed starship. God knows, you know, another Yamato or something. But uh, yeah, this this is absolutely solid. We'll put the um, the link in the footnotes as usual. Um, any any more comments, guys? No, uh, that, no, that covers it. I think. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, check it out if you're a fan. Uh, even if you're not a fan, um, you know, if you're, if you're just a casual fan, I think you'll get a lot out of this. Our DTV throwback this week is Steel, also known as Riders in some areas. Uh, in this one, uh, a gang of extreme sportsmen raise the stakes in their criminal activities, taking on some daring daylight robberies. Um, so this stars Stephen Dorff as Slim, uh, leading this sort of ragtag group of um, extreme sports enthusiasts. We first see them robbing a bank and then getting away on rollerblades um, in, in quite spectacular style. There's a lot of good stunt work going on here. Um, and then he, he and his gang sort of run into a few problems, uh, not least with the, um, the sort of police captain played by Bruce Payne, uh, who's called Magruder. I think in this one, um, and Natasha Henstridge, who's um, a, a new yeah. detective called Karen, who's um, sort of taking a bit of a shine to him, and a bit of an extreme sports type person herself, as, as, we, as we find out. Um, Steve, how did you find this one? Um, your typical 90s fun 
Prime movie, really. It reminded me like a cross between Triple X and, you know, a bit of Pipe Break thrown in there. And then you've got, um, what's it called? Stephen Burkoff. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I didn't Who's recognize preacher, at all, Which but... is just... Yeah. It's the, it's the wig. It's the wig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the wig. Uh, the Elvis wig. Yeah. Just in from... Coming in from another film, yeah, altogether, <laughs> yeah, completely over the top, yeah. Um, but it moves at a fair old pace. There's no stopping, even yeah, there's, when there's no fat character yeah. dies. No, it's it, you know it's forgotten in two seconds, and they just crack on and go on with it. Really, um, but I like I like the play where you know the actual bad guy. Is the cop who's supposed to be investigating them, mm. uh, and how he gets his comeuppance? I thought was really good, uh, but the, again, the stunt work's really good. I mean, like that opening, um, what they call them? Rollerblades. Rollerblade. Yeah. The opening rollerblading scene. I thought was yeah. I thought that scene was absolutely absolutely brilliant. I mean, like there's one bit where he bounced off a buzz and a truck and a car. Mm. All in the same move, and thought it was really well done. Really well it's done. The characters smart. are quite likable as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, a bit of true romance in there, but not not as extreme as that. You know, um, you know, the, these guys are sort of stuck with all this mm. stolen money. Need need to sort of exchange it. You know, um, oh, it's the bearer bonds, isn't it? So they get the money, but then they find out there's like twenty million bearer bonds, bonds yeah. in, in the thing as well, and they've got to sort of try and exchange those. Uh, which is where sort of Stephen Burkhoff's character comes in. Um, the bit I, I thought was quite amusing as well is when Stephen Burkhoff comes up and they're like, well, how did he find us? And he's like, I just asked mm. around. I'm surprised the cops aren't on you. And they yeah. go, yeah, why aren't the <laughs> cops on us? You know? <laughs> which I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. Um, Rich, what did you make of Steel? Had you, had you seen it before, uh, this particular um, showing? Uh, I, I did. I saw, I saw it when it came out and... I was struck by the stunt work in it, but not much else at the time. Not not a lot's changed. Really. It's interesting to see that all these years later, this was on Prime. It was in widescreen, which was nice. Mm. But it looked very rough. I don't know if it was, a, you know, the print had aged or something, but it was it was definitely not a good... I mean, maybe it looked like that originally, but the, the quality of the, the way it looked was, uh, was quite surprisingly rough. Uh, um, but that aside, you know, there is some good, there is some good stunt work in there. It's got, I mean, it's, a, it's from uh, director uh, Gerard Perez. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but he was a French director, most well known for like Taxi, uh, the original one, mm. the Jimmy Fallon uh, version. But uh, he did, um, he's done, I mean, he's, he was a, an older director. He's been around for quite a long time, but that was probably the one he was most famous for. And then he, had, he went to, he made this one in Canada. So not too difficult, make, you know, French, mm. uh, made it in Quebec. Mm. So they shot it in English, but, you know, it's, it's a, not, it was quite, probably quite easy to make a, an, Amer- an American style film in Quebec. Um, he's, it's probably quite telling that it was the only one he did. And, you know, that, that he pretty much, you know, didn't, didn't bother with trying to do it again. Uh, 
it's got certain i mean obviously it's a hodgepodge it's as you say point break and different things added in but there's the whole contrivance of he him running into natasha henstridge or slim Stephen dorf running into natasha henstridge and then them sort of developing a relationship and oh wouldn't you know it <laughs> it's like what are the chances she's on the team trying to find <laughs> the bad guys and whatever but we've you know that's that's movie contrivances okay. bruce yeah. payne with his wandering american accent mm. is, is quite amusing but he you know he was better in passenger 57 than he is yeah. here but you know always a good bad guy uh, there's some nice little bits thrown in as you say Stephen burkoff playing a a, a a, a, t- a teddy boy assassin preacher yeah. <laughs> uh, or, uh, who seems to, who seems to come in from a different movie. Um, but it's really the, the main thing, the main reason to watch it is the stunts, which includes a nice uh, uh, tanker on its side wheels. Oh yeah. That was uh, very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah which is yeah. copied straight out of license to kill. Uh, and it might have even been done by Remy Julien as well. I'm not sure. He on IMDb, it's uh, it does say not unc- it does have him listed as uncredited hmm. as being involved in it. And some of the some of the vehicular stuff is very much in his style. Uh, we lost him obviously recently, uh, but he was most you know he was very well known for the James Bond film. I think he did he do the Italian yeah. job as well with the minis. I, I think he did. Um, um, not sure, but yeah, so. There's some nice car, you know, cars crashing. There's a bit where a car that is CGI enhanced, but there's a bit where this car crashes in through a bus, yes. which is, yeah. which is, <laughs> which is fairly, which is fun. But it's it's one of those bugbears I've got, which is a bit like, like with you media res and all that sort of thing. Is <laughs> the not really having the consequences thought through of the collateral damage. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the, the two dozen like, people he just killed. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. all these people <laughs> just been because there was a similar scene in uh, I think it was National Treasure Two, <laughs> where a car goes through a bus. I'm sure <laughs> that's the same thing. It was like, yeah. well, you're just we not bod- bits of you're just thinking about the spectacle pouring, yeah, pouring out the other side <laughs> of the bus. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, um, I think it's just a breeze yeah. of fun, really. Yeah. This one, yeah. Yeah, it's only eighty. It's like it's yeah. like less than eight, uh, eighty minutes minus the credits. So it's there's a funny bit at the end as well. well. There's the gotcha moment at the end, which I thought was mm. quite funny because it's it's like aha, this you know it shows that uh, Stephen Dawes' character was playing the long game over, you know, from right from the start, you know, e- even further than most people could yeah. have seen, which which I thought was a nice touch as well, you know. Um, he right from the off, he he had a plan, um, and you only sort of let into part of it before you know the end, which which I thought was a nice touch. I mm. like that. Yeah, I like that yeah. Again, it's kind of tied in with the unofficial theme of of this show, which is films with you know bad guys who get in there in over their heads with mm. people who are even worse than they are. So it's kind of it's a heist. It's you know it's like one of those heist movies where you know he's like the danny ocean yeah. and you know they're bad guys yeah. doing bad things but actually yeah. the people they're doing them to are worse than they are <laughs> it's like, mm. that's kind of how they hoping, yeah, it's a case of like are they going to get away with it or not sort of thing and but i was thinking really you know unlike, unlike say danny ocean or you know, george clooney version i'm thinking of specifically you know um stephen dorf's character you know he is legitimately scaring the hell out of innocent people and actually throws a bloke out of a car and could almost have killed him yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. a moving vehicle, I should say. And uh, he's like, and it actually 
he's like kind of charming this bank teller or whatever at the beginning, but basically assaults her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he's like gives her a kiss and stuff. Which she, you know, that's that's you know, uh, yeah. We're supposed to be on side with this guy, so yeah. I'd be uncomfortable with that. Yeah. But, but then, uh, well, what yeah. the bit I was uncomfortable. Obviously, with, it was the uh, the whole conversation, the, the, the speech that uh, Bruce Payne does when Natasha Henstridge turns up. You know, he might as well have just whipped his dick mm. out, basically. <laughs> you know, for all that well, that was to pain. try and highlight just how what what a nasty, you know, yeah. sexist pig he was, which yeah. <laughs> which worked. You know, and then. Also, yeah, the, the casual racism thrown in there as well for that one scene as well. Mm. Oh, yeah. Jerry, yeah. was it? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That oh, bit, God, yeah. yeah. So, like, you well. know, I don't mind working with a Negro or something. And, and so, oh, God, yeah. 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 Very problematic. That bit didn't sit too well, but... Yeah, but, but it, you know, yeah, it's just he got all... his comeuppance. <laughs> oh, God, that. yeah, damn right. <laughs> Yeah, no. So, yeah, I, I I thought this was a lot of fun. I hadn't seen it before. Um, you know, it was riffing on a lot of films, as we said. But, you know, okay, it, it was it was breezy. It was fun. It was, um, you know, well done. Lots of good action. So, yeah, I, I thought I enjoyed it. It's sitting on Amazon Prime. So, um, yeah, if you are a subscriber to Amazon, we, we think you should go check it out if you haven't seen it. And that is the end of this week's show. So thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for Steve and Rich for joining me and talking about this myriad of films tonight. It was a, it was a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good, was a good bunch. It was, it was a really good bunch tonight. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter, where you'll find the DTV chart and mentions of other films which are being released. And also, don't forget to check out the uh, DTV Digest Short Shots podcast, where we look exclusively at short films. Other than that, thank you for listening, and tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.